Welcome to the Impactful PBL Podcast. I'm Candice, your host, a project-based learning coach and leader of the Impactful PBL Network. And you can find me at impactfulpbl.com. I'm on a mission to do good work with good people for good reasons, and I hope you are too. If you are a current or aspiring project-based educator looking for strategies and ideas to craft memorable learning experiences that empower your students to tackle challenges in their school and community through project-based learning, then you're in the right place. Join me as I share resources and tips to help you launch a PBL initiative in your classroom. Welcome to the Impact Makers community and let's talk PBL. Hey, Impact Makers. In a previous episode, I discussed the most common question that I'm getting right now regarding project-based learning and remote learning and virtual learning, which is, can teachers implement project-based learning in a blended or remote learning environment? And I shared why I believe that now, even given the current situation with school, is a great time to utilize project-based learning as an instructional method. And if you missed that episode, that should be episode 11. So check that out. Well, this week I want to go into while yes, project-based learning could definitely be implemented in a virtual or remote learning setting, what are some things or actions that you should consider when facilitating PBL virtually? Now, while I believe that crafting high-performance project-based learning is achievable, whether through in-person, remote, or blended learning environments, it's essential that we consider some changes or accommodations that may be necessary to make it successful. Now, I don't want you to make the mistake of managing a remote or blended learning environment exactly like you would during face-to-face instruction. So I bet you've seen this where someone or an organization literally transferred the exact same process that they would use for their face-to-face interactions in an online format. And often the experience just doesn't convert well. For example, let's say you previously attended an in-person conference and now it's converted to a virtual conference. While you may expect the content to be the same, you most likely expect the mode of learning or interaction to be slightly different. The same example applies to project-based learning. The planning method that I lead teachers through is valid regardless of the mode of learning, but teachers may have to adjust how they execute particular components. So for example, let's think about phase eight of the impactful PBL roadmap which is to unite students and build a collaborative environment, which is best practice for fostering a positive culture in any learning space. But it may occur differently in person versus virtual. Let's compare a learning experience that my girls program recently held. So I mentioned on other episodes that I'm the founder of an organization called Fly Math Club, and we typically host a summit every summer. And last year we hosted our annual Girls Love Math 2 Summit, and we plan to do the same this summer as well. But due to the pandemic, we were unable to do so. So throughout the summer, we saw multiple programs pivot their services, and I know several founders of other organizations or programs, so I had the opportunity to hear of some innovative ways that they continue to serve their community. Now, ultimately, our interns decided to plan and lead our first virtual camp. So our summit programming is mostly designed for group interactions, collaborations, which the girls typically enjoy. And the other aspect of the in-person summit that gets rave reviews is the ability for the girls to meet students from other schools and communities. Now, considering that this event would be virtual, we had to think about how can we recreate that experience, but in a virtual format. Now, I want to be honest in saying that we couldn't create the exact same experience, but we did create a new experience that also received positive feedback from the girls. So we had to think of ways to keep the girls engaged and interested enough to log into Zoom every day, which our interns were concerned about initially. They were, let's say, doubtful that a group of middle school girls would show up to a virtual math club session for five consecutive days, which is valid. 
But ultimately, we ended up having 100% attendance for three days, 93% attendance one day, and 85% attendance on one day. So not bad. And actually, we considered it a success. The point that I'm making is that we didn't take the previous in-person program curriculum that we would typically use and execute it in the exact same way and ignoring the fact that we were in a virtual environment. So we had to make adjustments. And that's what I want to discuss today. What should we consider when planning and facilitating project-based learning in a virtual or blended environment? Now, the considerations I'm going to share is not an all-inclusive list, but it should get us to start thinking about how we should shift our mindset as we start to plan. The first thing I want to say is to consider that Learning in a virtual environment typically takes more time. If a lesson typically takes one hour during face-to-face instruction, it will probably take an hour and a half or a little more during remote instruction. As you are planning your PBL unit and chunking out learning activities, make sure you are not using the exact same time frame as an in-person learning. Because if you do this, it's highly likely that students will not meet the project milestones and you and the students will become discouraged and frustrated. And the problem wouldn't be due to the project itself, but more likely due to the unrealistic expectations for execution. So if you are modifying a PBL, you typically teach, let's say in four weeks, you wanna consider blocking more time for the blended or remote format of this PBL. I also want to point out that during the spring, I saw teachers underestimate the amount of time it would take for students to complete an assignment. For example, as a parent, I received an email from my daughter's school stating that weekly assignments should take no more than two hours a week per content area. But when I reviewed my child's Canvas account, their learning management system, she had 33 assignments for the week. Now, you can easily determine that if a student has seven classes times two hours a week, that's 14 hours of total time that they should be spending on these assignments. But what is the likelihood of a middle schooler being able to complete over 30 assignments in 14 hours? And I want to add that I reviewed the tasks and the assignments and they were not five minute learning activities. I actually spent an hour helping my child with one math task and I am a former math teacher and math teacher coach. Can you see how this miscalculation can occur in a remote PBL environment, especially when more research is involved? Building upon my previous observation, consider students' situations. My intention is not to make assumptions about students and their families, and you shouldn't either. So it's important to conduct some form of survey or research to connect with parents to determine their level of comfort with supporting their child at home with PBL. Regardless of the responses though, provide resources or tips to make it easy for parents to support their child at home. With that being said, Keep it simple. Encourage students to use scrap materials or give them access to digital tools for product creation. Help students brainstorm or reimagine ways that they can showcase their knowledge with the resources that they have to help eliminate overwhelm for them and their adult caregivers. This leads me to the next point, which is don't overdo it with the tech tools. Design learning experiences or learning activities that utilize a mix of learning modes. A simple way to think about it is to consider learning styles. When planning your PBL unit, create activities that provides a mix of on-screen and off-screen learning activities, which will also offer more voice and choice, assuming students can opt in and out of certain tasks. As you create your PBL for a remote learning environment, plan for various support structures to differentiate instruction. While this is something that you would typically do, whether you're face-to-face or remote, during face-to-face instruction, you can closely monitor students' interactions with the materials and make in-the-moment decisions. 
but you don't have that luxury in a virtual environment. Also, if you started the school year in a remote environment, building relationships with your students may take a little longer, or you may be still in the process of building your classroom culture right now, meaning it may take longer to build a culture of academic risk takers, which we know is necessary to execute a high performance PBL. So refrain from assuming if students are experiencing challenges that they will feel comfortable sharing at this point in the year. It will be important to incorporate frequent check-ins and feedback as students progress through the unit because you want to be able to monitor students' academic progress and engagement. Frequent check-ins will allow you to address possible concerns early before progressing too deep into the PBL unit only to find out that you lost students in the process. There are a variety of ways that you can provide feedback to students such as through pre-recorded video or audio, written comments, discussions, conferences, etc. And don't forget to be intentional about making connections with students. We know how much the learning environment matters. And as mentioned, PBL requires students to step outside their comfort zone and be academic risk takers. But students must feel safe and supported in order to do that. Let's be honest, sometimes building relationships virtually can be hard for adults. And it's easier for students to hide in the background and become disconnected on a virtual learning platform if teachers are not paying attention. Back to the example I gave earlier about the virtual camp we led for girls this summer. We made notes of who was participating and we reached out to girls that were not as engaged as others to intentionally include them in discussions and learning tasks. So that looked like interns sent private messages to the girls to check in. We had small group breakouts where they worked closely with club leaders and the leaders popped into groups to provide additional support while getting to know the students in the process. Think about how you would make students feel welcome and supported during remote or blended learning. To wrap up this episode, when designing project-based learning experiences for remote learning environments, consider the timing and whether you are allowing enough time for tasks, consider what resources students have at home, Consider designing learning tasks that include multiple modes of learning. Be prepared to differentiate instruction and to provide additional support structures. Incorporate frequent check-ins and feedback throughout the unit to monitor students' progress and be intentional about building relationships with students. And always create a positive project-based learning culture. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you find this podcast insightful, please leave a review and subscribe so you can get notified of future episodes. 